Hey, John, welcome back to another Working Sessions, man. I know it's been a long time, no see kind of situation for us. It's been a few weeks since we talked. Summer can be like that sometime. You got trips, you got people getting sick, you got all kinds of stuff going on. So looking forward to touching base with you and hearing how things are going in your life, but also getting a business update from you. How are things on your end? Yeah, man. Good to see you. Things are good. It's been an insane six weeks since we last recorded. So I am uh, I'm excited to catch up and you know get get things back on track. Well, look, maybe we'll just dive right in. I, I put together an icebreaker topic for today that I thought was fairly timely. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty in the the U.S. economy right now and broadly the global economy. You've got the Fed raising interest rates to try to stifle inflation. People are talking about a recession. There's a conflict in Ukraine that's still going on. There's you know, COVID still out there, as you and I both know, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point today. So all these things mixing together, there's a lot of like pessimism about where the, the broader market's going. And so I thought it might be interesting for us to talk about maybe how we're kind of thinking about that, how that might impact our businesses. But more importantly, I think it's like, how do you build a business that is resilient to these kinds of things and is set up on a strong foundation that can help you kind of endure when things aren't always up and to the right? I think it's a good topic. That's extremely pertinent right now. And we're just seeing headwinds. <laughs> Honestly, I've been talking about it for a little while now. Like, both of my businesses are seeing some headwinds. There's some bright spots, but some headwinds, and we're seeing people getting laid off. I've had some friends get laid off recently from bigger companies. You know, a lot of companies have invested a lot recently or over the last couple of years, right? Once they knew they were going to see a big bump from the pandemic. And so, like, as a pandemic has kind of waned, then, like, Certain businesses have seen, you know, a less growth and, and all that. And they're trying to right size and all those things. And I'm, I'm curious, like, how are you thinking about building, you know, building Castaway and even like, you know, your day job, right, with an agency? Like, how are mm -hmm. you th as the head of marketing, director of marketing? What's your title? I don't even know. Director of marketing, yeah. Director yeah. of marketing, right? Plus, like, running a couple of the, like, you know, the, the tools and SaaSes that, that y'all own as well. Like, how are you thinking about this, you know, in regards to, like, future growth? How are you hedging? Where are you investing? What are you doing to keep growth going, if at all, right? And it might just be survival mode, which is a little bit what I'm in. <laughs> I'll be completely honest. So how are you thinking about it? You know, I'm not hitting the emergency button yet. We're not in survival mode yet. I think if the COVID pandemic, when it first came out in 2020, taught us anything, it said, rarely do you have something that decimates the entire global market. There are always pockets that will excel. And hopefully you're lucky enough to be in one of those pockets. Now, when a pandemic hits and everybody's stuck at home, being at an agency that focuses on e-commerce, we actually benefited from that scenario because demand was through the roof for all these brands. People were shopping online. And so as somebody who serves those brands, we benefited from us. Not everybody was so lucky. A lot of mom and pop businesses had to close their stores because they didn't have any foot traffic to their brick and mortar location. And so obviously we empathize with them. If you get lucky, you're not really affected. But I think the silver lining here is that it's not an obvious thing that your business is going to be hurt. And in fact, it might actually do better in different scenarios. So for example, if we go into a recession or inflation continues to be rampant, then companies that have some of those raw inputs will actually do better, like steel, you know, iron ore, gas, those kinds of things. Prices are gonna go up for those. So I bet those businesses will stand to do better because they're gonna raise prices and their margins will be higher as a result. But as I'm thinking about you know, the agency side of things and Castaway, really what I'm trying to look at is what do I think is going to happen with consumer demand for whatever the service is that we're talking about? And, you know, I'm a little worried about Castaway specifically because it's tied so closely to 
podcasting, which I think for a lot of people is a discretionary investment at this point. But I'm less concerned for the good and some of the e-commerce conversion optimization because ad costs are rising, shipping costs are rising. People need to get more out of every marketing dollar. And I think CRO is a great way to make that happen. Um, you want to capture as much of that value from the traffic you're sending to those pages as possible. So I think we're actually in a really good position and we're one of the best people out there to do it for you. So not, not concerned about that. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like the total environment, I think one of the things that we have going for us is that we're coming down off of one of the highest of highs historically. So the economy has been so good for so long that even a dramatic dip still leaves us ahead of where we were at, say, in 2002 or something like that. Like, I don't know that we ever really go down to the pre-2008 era or like, I guess, immediately after the 2008 crash. Like, I don't know if we ever go that low because we're starting from a point that's much higher, right? I guess that's a long-winded way of saying I'm not hitting the panic button yet, but I am taking steps to double down on things that we know are working and maybe cut some of those experimental channels that we're trying to figure out. And it's like, those just aren't important anymore. And I'm also kind of setting myself up for the fact that like, maybe if we were aiming to grow by 30 or 40% this year, like maybe we'll be happy with 10 or 15, you know, and that's okay. And it's like slow, sustainable growth is probably okay because nobody really saw this coming. And you know, you, you do the best with, with what you have at hand, right? I guess. So I've been talking for a while. What's, what's your reaction to any of that? Or what thoughts do you have around Credo and Editor Ninja? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a few things. Number one, we have to realign our growth projections, right? Because the numbers that we were working off of six months ago just don't apply anymore. There's less optimism. So the way we sell is going to have to change. We have to move from being the like, and honestly, this happened at the start of the pandemic where like, so obviously I didn't have Editor Ninja going then, but with Credo, we had been messaging the like, your competitors are growing. You need to keep up. So you need to invest. And then we moved our messaging to your still need to do marketing, make a safe bet on who you hire by hiring through Credo. It became, we leaned into like the trusted, right? So, you know, don't take risks, hire the sure thing, <laughs> basically. So I think messaging has to change. I think we need to make people feel really good about that we are like the right bet for them to make. And I also think the like the customer type is changing. And so we're going to get fewer of the tire kickers and more of the serious people. So pre-pandemic at Credo, we saw about 10 to 15, 10 to 12% of leads that we introduced to agencies would hire an agency through us. They may have hired someone else, but through us. Post-pandemic, it's like 20. Um, like after like mid-summer 2020, it's been like 20%. So it dramatically increased. Just people were more serious. So I think that's a good thing, you know, also at the same time, like just from a business perspective, like watch your P&L, how much are you making? Mm -hmm. How much are you spending? What's your runway? Can you cut out things that don't make sense? Right. We should be doing that every three to six months anyways, but like really have to do it now. You got to run a tight ship. Um, you know, you got to be like invest in areas that make sense, right? If a channel proves itself out as being profitable and driving leads that, that convert, put more into it if you can. If a channel is not working, be quicker to cut it. You know, don't like fool yourself into thinking like, well, maybe people are seeing me here and then they come there and then they go and do this other thing. And then eventually they inquire and then six months later they buy. We don't have time for that. 
<laughs> that is not the reality that we're in right now. So like if it's not converting, if you're not able to be profitable on this spin within like a month or two, probably not worth investing in right now. And so just stack, honestly, stack as much cash as you can, like be prepared for, you know, a downturn. I think for Castaway, my take would be like, and I'm doing this also with Editor Ninja is you should stop pursuing the people that are like, that are doing podcasts where they haven't been doing it for a long time. And they're like, well, let's try out this service for like transcriptions and repurposing things and all of that. Like find the people who are focused on the people that are like, professional podcasters or it's like mm-hmm. this is their like this is their thing right that that drives them business right because they're going to invest in that and they're not going to churn right assuming you do a good job and and your pitch is like we can help you get more out of the podcast that is already driving your business right buy back your time and you're going to get better results because you're going to be omnipresent on social and all these things right as opposed to the ones that are like yeah, I've been doing a podcast for a while and sure I'll give you a shot for a month. Right. Like the try it on yeah. people, not who you want, not who you've ever want, not who either, not who anyone really should ever want unless you're kind of masochistic, but like we got We got to go for the sure thing. We got to go. We got to go for the professionals like in the, you know, in the B2B space right now. So it's not the indie hackers and that kind of thing. It's the, like for you, it's like, it's Lewis house. It's Hormozy. Yeah. It's Tom bill. You it's, you know, even like our product and people like that, right? Like it's those sorts of podcasts that are like, they've been doing it for a long time and they've been through ups and downs and they've had and lost co-hosts and all those things, right? Like that's who you gotta be going after, man. And charging them like a good amount for it. And right. really yeah. providing, like it's like whoever provides the most value in this in, in this economy is gonna be who wins. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. That was actually going to be my follow-up point. It was basically like one thing that we can do as service providers. So you're trying to like, when you're talking about building a resilient business, it's it's like you want to have a bunch of cash on hand. Ideally, you've been responsible. Ideally, you're operating in a profitable world. But the one thing that if you don't have a moat from some kind of technology or some kind of arbitrage on raw materials or talent or something like that, the one thing that nobody can really replicate is customer service or client service, right? The hustle. Yeah. like going above and beyond, being a strategic advisor, doing this concierge onboarding migration, like all those little qualitative touch points, like it's time to get really diligent about that and kind of over deliver on the expectations around that. Because I think that's where like, that makes the decision between cutting your agency versus another agency much harder. It's like, man, I love working with John and John is always there for me. And he's answering all these questions and, you know, he's taking these calls from me and responsive to my emails and all those kinds of things. There's just like social capital that gets built up there and it might not feel like it makes a difference. And it's been easy to coast for the last few years, but like, yeah, if you're struggling right now, I would over deliver on all those fronts, responsiveness, personal touches, you know, strategic advisory instead of just the technical work and like being a an, an action taker or whatever. Those kinds of things are if other agencies like don't do it as well as you do it, that's going to make all the difference between who gets retained and who gets you know subject to budget cuts. I think some of that too is becoming more of a one stop shop because if they're operating with leaner budgets and leaner teams. They don't have the time to be like managing multiple, you know, multiple agencies. I got my specialist here and I got my specialist there and all this. Like we're seeing more people at Credo. We're seeing more people that they're like that they want a full service firm as opposed to a like a specialist firm. They're like, we need an agency that can handle all of it. So I think actually this is where full service agencies do really well. 
versus the ones that are like, we're a long form content marketing agency for B2B SaaS companies that are spending at least $15,000 a month minimum on content marketing. Those agencies are in for a world of hurt right now. So the more services you can offer, Mm -hmm. even if they are lower margin things for you, but you need this? Oh yeah, we can do that. You need this? Oh yeah, we can do that. And this is the opposite of what I've always preached about services. Like, and it, it kind of flies in the face of product of simple productized services, but like, you know, if we can layer on, you know, at Editor Ninja, for example, if I can layer on content style guides, right? Like you come to us, you want to get editing done, but you're going to maximize working with an editor by having a style guide, right? A, A content style guide. It's also going to make the writing that you get back from writers better. So instead of it's like 500 bucks a month for unlimited, you know, copy editing and proofreading, it's 2,500 bucks to get started, but you also get X, Y, and Z. And then it's, and that includes your first like month of editing. And then it's 500 a month, right? Like that right there just gets so much more value. Plus like, you know, I sell that for 2,500. So 2K of that is like style guides and it costs me 1,500 bucks, you know, to, to have someone that's doing those, right? But I'm still making an extra five, basically making another month of a like subscription, right? Plus they paid us more and so they're going to stick around for longer. So like those are the levers that we need to be pulling right now. How can we add on these like services that people want and need that previously you've been like, nope, we don't do that. And now it's like, "Mm, no, actually we can do that, you know? (laughs) Um, And also just because we do it now doesn't mean we have to do it forever. But like I think in the current stage that we're in, in the current like economy we're in, I think that's what we're going to have to do to – have a shot at thriving we can probably survive by not doing that but if you want to thrive you want to grow i think that's where we have to go yeah i think when things are going well you're trying really hard to filter out clients so that you only bring on the best fit clients but when things aren't going so well you need to make it easy to say yes and one of the best ways to do that is like whatever objections you have or reservations you have about can we deliver on x like if we reliably can we should for now until things stabilize and so it sounds like Sounds like you're on the right path there, man. Okay. Uh, well, maybe that maybe that handles the the resiliency topic for today. Do you want to jump into some editor ninja updates? I know we're talking about like a time period that's like four to six weeks. So what's been going on in that world lately? What has happened is the the like quick twenty thousand foot version. The the bullet points is I went to Canada. Whistler is awesome. I will be going back to Whistler to ski. That is for sure. Went over to Kelowna for a SAS Academy event. That also was awesome. Got to hang out with a bunch of people, kind of thinking both about Credo and Editor Ninja, but kind of gave me a good, like, uh, it just reinvigorated a lot for me. I was all, I also had a direct COVID exposure, but didn't get COVID. Came back on Thursday. That Sunday, moved up to our house in the mountains. Got a co-working space. Two weeks later, went to Alaska. And for nine, 10 days, family trip, annual trip, got exposed to COVID there as well. Did not get COVID. Alaska is still awesome. Went on a wildlife tour and saw 25 to 30 orcas, killer whales, out in the sound outside of Seward, including two that swam within like 50 feet of the boat. It was amazing. Drank a lot of beer, ate a lot of fish. It was great. Came back a week and a half later, had to let the nanny that we hired for our daughter go. And so we came back to Denver, like literally that, like Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. We knew we were going to have to do it. By 7 p.m. We were driving back to Denver, (laughs) just like coming back. It's been really good being back. It's been really nice. Kind of our, like we were talking about it in the last episode, which I just re-listened to. And 
<laughs> basically, my wife and I were asking the question of ourselves, like, do we want to move to the mountains full time? And we basically answered that we're not ready. And so, like, we've been looking at, you know, buying a, a bigger house in Denver and just like I wasn't feeling good about it pre this test. And now I feel really good about it. It's like, all right, we're in Denver. I missed Denver actually like as a city, I missed Denver. And I and we still get all the good parts of being in the mountains on the weekends, right? Because basically like working in Breckenridge, looking at the mountains, not being able to get into the mountains because of work is horrible. But we spent a full weekend there and it was awesome. I'm like, well, we get this anyways because we're up there most weekends anyways. So like I can mountain bike and fish and do all the mm -hmm. things I want to do. We just don't have to deal with a commute and all those things. So anyways, Moved back to Denver and it's been great. I do feel like I kind of lost three to four weeks of productivity. So I've been really like digging in. But yeah, so that's just kind of like the life craziness. I feel kind of like a ninja avoiding COVID at this point because now, because it also had one this past Sunday, direct exposure that none of us, my, my wife, daughter, or I has gotten it from those friends. So like, I feel like a ninja. I feel kind of invincible right now. All of that aside, on Editor Ninja, what's happened is, so in May, I think we hit our goal of $6,000 in revenue. We did $2,400 in June because we lost our biggest customer. There was a, a content agency that basically lost some clients, that so they no longer needed that editing. So lost them, but had a ton of demos that took longer to close, but basically like it's kind of yo-yoed. So May was 6,200. June was, yeah, like 24, 2,500. And July should be over 4,000. So, cause we've signed on some new customers. And so like volume has kind of gone with the same, but like it's definitely been increasing over the last couple of weeks, signed on some new customers and, and all that, you know, and, and I think like that right there, the lesson for me there, James is Early days, I mean, like the businesses are just fragile early days, right? At Credo, I was always like, we could be fired. Like, you know, like I'd go to bed thinking, okay, tomorrow is the day where all of our customers fire us and we're done and I have to go get a job. And it never happened. So I don't worry about that anymore. Plus that business is, you know, mid to high six figures a year now. And so like mm -hmm. we're, we're, that business is pretty resilient. First with Editor Ninja, it's so early days that like we had like half of our revenue being made up from one customer and we weren't diversified. And basically I was like, okay, they need it. I'll let them pay us, but also I'm going to bust my butt to try to get new customers in so that if they stop, we are then, you know, we basically, I can still pay editors, right? Or like, or at least like send editors work. I have them all on like a guaranteed amount, but basically we were too heavy on one customer and losing that one customer, which like you take that risk and basically that risk didn't pay off. That's fine, but it just meant, you know, things for the business. So like, it's something to be aware of and also to try to mitigate by getting, you know, and we were mm -hmm. talking about this six, seven weeks ago about like, you know, what if you had, you know, if you wanted to do like 10 K a month in revenue, right? Is it better to have, you know, 10, 1000 a month customers or four 2,500 a month customers or two 5k a month customers? A mix is probably right, but you, you, you need to be, you need to diversify as well so it was a good learning right but also like i didn't freak out i was like this is the reality of yeah. the like of the, of the just the business right now and the economy and all of that so you know but by running like a profitable business we got cash in the bank like you know and then with stuff coming back now now i'm like okay we can you know we can it, it's gonna work it's gonna keep growing and i feel you know optimistic about it again not that i wasn't before it was just like ugh just kind of a drag, you know, <laughs> like I'm busting my butt to try to get customers in. And like, there just isn't volume there and people are taking forever. It's the 4th of July and all these things, but yeah. we're still here. So that's, that's, that's kind of how I'm operating right now. James is like, I've been taking some shots to the chin 
every week for about the last six weeks in both businesses. Right. And I'm like kind of tired of getting hit, but I'm still here. So that's kind of all I can do right now. You know, you need one of those every once in a while, because if, if things are too good for too long, then you just get kind of fat and happy. And there's nothing wrong with being fat and happy. But like then you get caught, you know, on your like flat footed and and then the real the real big things start to happen because you whatever you're complacent but it just feels like i've gone eight rounds of getting beat up and now it's like i've got two more rounds right and like i gotta make something happen <laughs> you know i gotta go on offense so yeah which i feel like i can so but yeah you're right you're right it, it doesn't good times don't last forever so one of my uh, teammates like to tell the story. She lives in Peru, and like when she first moved there, I guess she was hiking to one of the taller mountains there, one of the more arduous hikes, and everybody's just beaten down in the group. And then it just starts to rain. It's just like pouring down rain, and they're they're slogging it up this mountain. They're just kind of trudging. Nobody's talking. Everybody's got their head down, you know, just kind of looking at the ground. And this guy comes down from the top of the mountain and passes them on the like the narrow path, and he's just like he's just like bouncing and smiling and like waving to everybody and. He's like, it's all part of the experience. And, you know, they're, they're so miserable, but he's coming down and he's like, you know, on cloud nine and just so happy. And like she, she told it is like, that's that's one of the moments I go back to a lot because some, sometimes yeah. the bad times are part of the experience and you got to kind of embrace them. But to your point, like too much of it. Yeah, it just it just starts to wear on. But I, I kind of tell myself, like, you know, entrepreneurship mm -hmm. is a game where like you have to expect to bottom out at some point. You have to expect yeah. the lows and if you're going to take advantage of the highs. And yeah, maybe we're just in one of those lows right now because I think there's a lot of commonalities between the update you just shared and, and what I've got is just like revenues down, kind of sitting in, in these summer doldrums, I'm calling it, where it's like, you know, life has been busy. My household actually caught the COVID bug, but as far as we know, just my my wife and my daughter got it, so my son and I got through. So maybe we're ninjas too, you know. But you've got folks staying home from work, folks staying home from school. Um, it's just been hard to like protect time on the nights and weekends to continue to try to grow Castaway. So we haven't been replacing churn, and we haven't certainly been keeping the pipeline full. So yeah, I would get, I would say like the sentiment is also kind of low on this side, but more. I don't look at it as like there's not opportunity out there. I think there's still plenty of opportunity out there. Just that like the business itself has been neglected and it there's a little bit of guilt around that, you know, about like not keeping it going as, as hard as I could, but you know, you got to protect time for health and wellness and, you know, just unplugging and family time and stuff too. Like that's, that's an important part of it. So I guess maybe a question I have for you is, okay. So it's like, it's time to get in there and, and make some shit happen. Like what's your plan for that? Yeah. I mean, we were talking offline. I'm going to be making some changes on the site, some tests. I iterated again on our pricing page. Someone I was on a podcast recently that they were like, I feel like they're, they're also like fairly early days in a product I service. And they're like, I feel like I'm always changing up what our offer is and how we're packaging it and how we're messaging it and how we're pricing it. He's like, are you doing that too? And I was like, weekly, <laughs> maybe more. But I did actually like before I went to Alaska, I actually changed our <laughs> pricing page to kind of separate out brands and agencies because brands want dedicated editors to work within their systems because they have to go through like all this rigmarole to like, you know, security compliance and like all this stuff versus agencies have volume. So I actually split it out where like the first kind of two offerings are the same, but for agencies, it's volume and for, for brands, it's get a dedicated editor, right? Basically like hire an editor through us for a certain number of hours per, you know, per week sort of thing. So I split that out and I've actually had good volume recently, like demo volume, which is great. And you know, obviously brought on a couple of customers and have one more that's hopefully signing up tomorrow. I've been dealing with some like Stripe and 
such, and it may have actually been user error on the person's side. They blamed like our processor and Stripe, and I actually think they put in the like three digit like CVC code wrong. So yeah, basically like I'm continuing just to focus down and like listen to what people are looking for. And I'm doing a lot of partnership calls as well. I'm just like, I'm, I'm kind of leaning into the like, at this point, I need to build relationships. I need to build community. And so I'm just doing a lot of like, ask people for advice, get to know people, sorts of calls. And those tend to turn into like the best partnerships and, you know, customers and all of that. So I'm leaning into relationship at this point while also doing the, you know, the, the nuts and bolts marketing stuff of SEO and content and ads and sponsorships and all that stuff. So seeing what works there, but you know, for the most part, it's just leaning into the relationships and really focusing hard on keeping our customers happy and providing as good of like customer like support as possible, which to be like candid is not the way I approached. I have approached Credo most of Credo's life. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to take that, that lesson and be much more like just super customer service support focused with editor ninja this time around so like it's a it's a mental shift and i'm doing it at credo as well of course but it's just like i'm doing it way earlier with with editor ninja so i was i was talking this morning about like what if like i want to find like a print-on-demand company where i could buy like 15 like basically gift boxes right so like editor ninja like a hat a shirt and stickers, right? And every new customer that comes on, they sign up and this like print on demand company like handles sending them a gift box, mm-hmm. right? For being a new customer. Something like that, just to like, just some like sur- surprise and delight and really leaning into brand in that way. And like, I'm part of this bigger thing. So yeah, anyways, that's that's all I got, man. What's going on at, at Castaway? Sounds like you've had a, uh, a similar sort of experience to me over the last couple of months. So what's the... What are the details? Yeah, so let's see. I'm trying to remember. I think last time we talked, revenue was around, it was between like five and 7,000 a month. For on most months, the majority of that was kind of one-off projects, usually like 12 episode bundles or something like that. So it's not like recurring revenue that you can lean on. Basically what has happened is those bundles have been delivered and they've kind of aged out. That season for those shows is is over and they're in that hiatus before they start the next season. And so hopeful that they'll come back, but it's one of the downsides of focusing on podcasting, I guess, is you have the seasonality to it at times. And most people don't podcast consistently. I mean, I think we're living proof of that where it's like, yeah, it's real easy to have a nice little like six week break and you're not going to want to pay for Castaway during that time, right? That, that's going to happen. And I'm optimistic that those folks will come back because I think they had a good experience, but who knows when that will actually be, right? So I'm just trying to keep in touch with them. And then uh, we had another show turn that was a recurring engagement because it was two co-hosts and one of them got their agency acquired. So the whole premise mm-hmm. of the show was like updates on the agency and that person's going to work in-house now. And so they're discontinuing the show altogether. So we're down to like $2,500, $3,000 a month the last couple months. And, you know, I'm not like, it's not a great place to be, but considering the amount of attention I've been able to give it lately, I don't think that's really a bad place. And, you know, I'm looking forward to revisiting that after a big launch project I'm working on at the day job. So hopefully we'll get that back up and back on pace for the the six figure target. But that remains to be seen. So so there's the cliffhanger there. The good news is I'm seeing momentum behind both service models. So on the, the repurposing side of the house, I'm seeing a lot of people 
starting to talk about the importance of video assets to, to grow your podcast. And that's also embodied by the fact that YouTube has publicly said that they're going to start adding new features and monetization op options specifically for video podcasts that are being hosted and distributed on their platform. So when a big player like YouTube gets involved there, I think that's a really strong signal. You're seeing similar things happen from Spotify and other platforms like that. So that's good. And then we talked about this kind of experimental service, which is, I just call it personal branding for now, thought leadership, whatever. But it's kind of like, let's take this repurposing concept and take it from the podcast world to kind of the individual personal brand world. And it's like, hey, we sit down with John two to four times a month for an interview. We record that interview on Riverside or Zoom or whatever you want to use. And then we take that interview and we turn it into video clips plus social media posts for Twitter and LinkedIn to keep your queue full every business day. So you don't really have to think about the content production side of things. It's effectively a ghostwriting service that has a video component to it. But I think a lot of people understand the value of personal branding and, and thought leadership. They don't always protect the time to do it consistently. So this service would help that. I'm just seeing a lot of conversations and a lot of support for those kinds of services right now. I think Sean Puri from My First Million tweeted publicly about like, hey, which one of my listeners wants to work with me? I'm looking for somebody to repurpose these podcast episodes into my, my personal newsletter and things like that. So I don't know, I'm just paying attention to all those kinds of signals. And you know, the scary thing is like, to have a summer like I've had so far where I haven't given this much time and justified it because you're busy at work at the day job or you know the family's sick or you're on vacation or whatever it does kind of feel like the wave is building and maybe starting to crest and and i'm not necessarily riding it you know so i i worry about that a little bit but yeah i think overall i'm feeling pretty good about where things are and and kind of similar to you it's like it's time to get back in there get your hands dirty again start doing some stuff to fill the funnel leaning on personal relationships and referrals as a starting point and then work in some other kind of short-term marketing channels, like maybe an affiliate program or something like that. Something that, that takes effect faster than say content marketing or SEO. So yeah, looking to, to invest more in that and hopefully sell another subscription client pretty soon so that we can make some investments on that recurring revenue and not just some of those one-off projects because it really does sting a little bit when they, when they end and then that revenue have you tried away. asking, cause you've had these people that they podcast, but you know, they bought a bundle and then they go on a, a summer break or whatever from their podcast. Have if they're happy, have you tried asking them like, Hey, cause podcasters know other podcasters like, Hey, do you know anyone else that might be interested in, you know, what we do, you know, would you be mm -hmm. willing to make an introduction or, you know, something like that? That could be a good way. That could be a good way to do it. You know, just like drum up some referrals from happy, happy customers. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I would call it like a almost like an exit survey. It's like, hey, happy to cancel the engagement or whatever. Happy it wrapped up. I hope you're happy. It's kind of akin to like asking for a testimonial. It's like, wh which one of those is more important to you? Do you ask for the testimonial on the spot? Do you ask for the referral? It feels mm -hmm. kind of like a stretch to ask for both at the same time. So I'd have to figure out the right sequencing and timing for those things. But I think that's a great idea. And like, even if it was something like, hey, if you do know somebody in your network who would be willing to or be interested in being a client, like if they sign on, then I'll do an extra episode for your next engagement free or something like that, like some kind of incentive that's not necessarily cash out of my pocket and into theirs, but um, it's just a, an additional service or a higher level of service for, you know, the same price. Like get them to reply. And then once they've replied, you know, I mean, you could even just like ask directly for their feedback. Like, mm -hmm. you know, was this valuable to you? Right. Like, is this something you could see yourself using in the future? And if they come back like affirmative and they're like, yeah, it was awesome. We're just taking a six week break and we'll be back in August. Cool. 
That's that's awesome. Looking forward to it. I'll follow up with you then. By the way, do you know anyone else that like is podcasting that could you know use our services? And and if you're not getting replies, then you could offer something like that. Just don't overcomplicate it. Yeah, I think it's a great idea because like I mean these people talk. I mean I'm I'm a marketing director and like maybe not with podcasting because I have experience there, but like when I want to produce a case study or like let's say I want to do a video case study, like the first thing I do is I go to other marketing leaders or bootstrap founders or I find case studies that I like and I'd be like. Hey, who makes who makes your video case studies? I saw it on YouTube on your YouTube channel and really liked the style. I thought it was great. I thought it presents you guys really well. Who'd you use for that? Mm-hmm. And so I'm directly asking for a referral. So I know it's out there. I know these people talk to each other. And I can't imagine it's any different in the podcasting space, especially if you're talking about I think where I need to be playing is like the uh corporate branded podcasts. Sure, like Alex Hormozzi's of the world, those big personal brands, those big thought leaders, of course. But I think like if I could land something like like the SEM Rush podcast or something like that, then that's a great place to be because big established companies like that have bigger budgets. They're more resilient in environments like this and less likely to cut expenses for something like that, especially if they tie revenue right. in um, software sales directly to the podcast. Like it's a, it's a revenue channel for them. It's not just an awareness play. And so if I can plug into the marketing leader at SEM Rush, they know the marketing leader at some other established tool like Clearbit. And then all of a sudden you're in there with like three or four pretty established brands and you got a healthy book of business. So, you know, I think that, I think that's really it. Just plugging away and trying to, trying to stick to the goal. Like the, the goal was, I don't know. I think one of the points from the beginning of this conversation about resiliency is like, that's part of the reason I love side hustles. And I know we have kind of different situations around side hustles. Like you have a main business, which you also run, and this is your second business, whereas mine's W2 position, and this is my side hustle. But I think that is the the beauty of doing things on the side and being what I call like a serial side hustler is like, in months like this, where things aren't going as well as we planned for them, like it's not the end of the world. Whereas if you had one imbe- one business and you're all in, or you only have a job and they do staff cuts, you're you're in a bad place. And so, I don't know. I I try not to get too high or too low on it because, at the end of the day, like yes, I'm an ambitious person, and yes, I have big goals for Castaway. But the reality is, right. if it doesn't grow as fast as I want, as long as it's profitable and it's not costing me money, like things could be worse. And so I try to have patience with myself and give myself a little bit of grace in times like this and just know that life has chapters to it. And the next chapter could just be hammering hard on Castaway and things could be totally different in even a month or two from now when we're talking and we just have a bunch of deals closed. So yeah, trying to keep my head down and keep plugging along and stick to the plan because I do think there's a good strategy behind it. And I just think that showing up is is more than half the battle, really. Yeah, and I think there's some like, it, it can be tempting. It's tempting for me. I'll just talk from my own perspective is tempting for me to like let off the gas a little bit or be like, ah, kind of have a victim mentality of like, I don't know, like the economy's crazy. All these things are going on. And like, I think there's a fine line mm-hmm. between recognizing that and being a victim to it, right? Like recognize the reality but also use it. I firmly believe that great companies are made in hard times. As Hormozy says, never waste a good crisis. Like this is a chance to realign things. It's a chance to dig in. It's a chance to provide value to your customers. It's a chance to learn how to target the right customers, right? Because like the right customers now are going to be the right customers when the getting is good, right? We're just going to have more of the ones that are not as right of a customer. So like if you can learn how to target them now and still succeed, then like once, you know, budgets open back up and all that, whether it's 
three months or six months or 12 months or 18 months, you're going to be off to the races, right? So like, I believe like if you can invest now, like I'm investing now into community, into content, into SEO, into my sales processes, like all of that stuff, I'm investing into that hard now because I know in 12 to 18, I think this thing could last 24 to 36 months, by the way, this, uh, this recession, like it's, it's going to hurt once like stuff starts to let up. Right. And that's like the, mm-hmm. the end of the recession. So like it might only be 12, 18 months before stuff starts to like loosen up and kind of come back up. Even so that's end of 2023, right? That's a long time from now, but if we can start investing now into things that will pay off then anyways, even if the, even if the times were good, we're really going to be sitting pretty in 12 to 18 months time, you know? So anyways, I'm like, I'm, I'm very much about the like invest now and really dig in and try to meet your customers needs now. And that's, yeah, it's, we, we, we got to survive before we can thrive and to have a shot at thriving, you know, eventually we have to, we have to put in the work now. Right. Cause no, no one sees what happens ahead of time. You know, people haven't seen like building credo, even to what it's gotten to is like, People haven't seen the late nights and the late plane flights and the like 2 a.m. bugs because the site is like 2 a.m. alerts because the site servers are down, like that sort of stuff. People don't see that, right? So like let's stop looking for the glory in like doing the work. Like doing the work should be table stakes, right? But like let's not look for the glory in that. Let's just do the hard, as once again, as Hormozy says, do the hard, boring work. Show up day and day again, put in a lot of volume, get the skills and do it over long enough of a period of time that you can't help but succeed in enough time. So that's the solace I'm taking right now, man. Right. I think if this this thing manifests the way that a lot of the experts are saying it will, then you'll find out who the people are that just love the outcome and who the people are that love the process. And if you're one of the people that, that love the process of building a business and the, and the technical aspects of the work that you do, I think you're going to be okay. If you only love the monetary gain and the notoriety and some of the the outcomes that come with it, uh, I think it's going to be a lot harder for you. So I don't know, you got to figure out, got to figure out which side of that, that boat you land on. Cool, man. Uh, maybe we'll bring it in for a landing there. You know, a rather somber working session today, but I don't, I think there is, there's a tinge of optimism in there. I still think, you know, you only fail if you quit. If you keep going, you can't fail, right? But definition. So we'll keep plugging away and we'll have another one for you real soon. The notes are, show notes are always available at workingsessions.fm. And as always in the top navigation there, there's a link for ask a question. If you want to hear us riff on any uh, subject or address any concerns you have with your business, feel free to send something in there and maybe we'll cover it on the show. All right. Thanks, everyone. 